It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, welcome to Out of the Blue from Mason Brew, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network, a podcast that will happily go for it on 4th and 9, up 60, because we're built like that. I am Jared Stormer of MazenBrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, also of MazenBrew.com. Andy, you semi-notorious wingman of the highest order. How you been since we last saw each other this weekend, my friend? You know, it's been a few days since I departed the great north. We had a great time together. It felt good to get back in the big house. And man, I'm still just still shaking. Still got the chills from being back in the atmosphere. It felt good. It really did, man. And I did have the chills as we're walking in and you hear Seven Nation Army going, just being back there after a long time. And obviously this wasn't the maze out kind of atmosphere, but it was still great in there. It was a ton of fun. We had great seats, perfect weather. And an absolute beatdown of a ball game, like even more so than than we could have ever predicted. I mean, this was great, man. Let's get into this. I mean, there's so much to cover from from everything that we saw this weekend. Where do you want to start? Uh, how about a, a hun- over a hundred players played for Michigan in this game? <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean, we were up. My parents wanted to roll early. They're like, "All right, well, the second stringers have been in for a whole quarter." We're like, "No, no, no, no." I need to see who's coming in four stream left four string left tackle. Got to see. I need, I need to get my eyes on Crippen, okay? I need to see who he's got to work with on the line. What's Valari got going on over there, huh? What tell me more about him. <laughs> Damn Valari's warming up the cannon. You and I are just salivating at the mouth. Just like, let's go. I'm here for Tavier Dunlap carries in the fourth quarter. Dude, Tavier is Karan Higdon incarnate. 
he, he had very Karan Higdon energy. Maybe it was just the number he was wearing, but that was the vibe I got from Tavi Dunlap. But yeah, 100 players got into this, um, got to see quite a bit of the starters on it. Uh, let's let's start on the offense, shall we? Um, Kate McNamara, 8 for 11, 191. His day's done at the half. Three incompletions. I know all three of them because we pointed them out. Not one was on him. Not one of his incompletions was totally his fault. All good balls. All well-thrown balls. Yeah, we've been on the Cade McNamara train. I feel like we've been screaming just about him. You especially after Western, like, Cade McNamara is a good quarterback. Not just above average, he is good. And the Washington game was not a great example. And this one, just the touch on all the deep balls. Like, the they were all in the receivers, those three incompletions. And finally, he connected with CJ to develop a little chemistry. But he looked sharp, man. Very, very sharp. He looked sharp, uh, very decisive. Um, actually, one of his incompletions was because he had to roll out, so mistake. Okay. And, and the other one, uh, Baldwin ended up be calling a pass interference call. But yep. Baldwin, he got a hand on it, so like he definitely could have caught it. It was a back shoulder deep down the field. I mean, the connection with all down the seam. Obviously, the 87-yarder to CJ. Um, he had one earlier to CJ that the only reason it wasn't completed is because he hit him in stride, and CJ was so wide open, he held up thinking yeah. that he'd underthrow him but no he hit him in stride they they like connect they corrected that and they look like they've got something going um Cade McNamara was excellent in this um mentioned a little bit on the receivers how about AJ Henning AJ Henning was ecstatic I mean there was just like I mean not ecstatic electric they made a conscious effort to go to him you and I even pointed out the play calling they ran a reverse on first down that really broke some tendencies and habits there he got a lot of run. Dalen Baldwin, as you mentioned, got a lot of early touches at receiver. Eric All featured heavily. CJ featured heavily. But back to A.J. Henning, he made his real mark in this game on special teams. We talked about that last week, that punt returner needed to be shored up. Caden Colazar, great name. Not a great returner yet, but A.J. Henning, that's his spot now. He solidified it. Absolutely. And we couldn't believe that. I think it was third quarter. They were still punching to him and he's still making plays. And I'm like, he's already over the course of his game become a guy you don't want to put the, the ball in the hands of on special teams, especially if you're going to give him some room, some strong DPJ energy with his speed and, you know, the, the decisive cuts and the fact that they're using him on reverse. They obviously like what he can do in the open field. Uh, haven't seen much from him as a receiver yet catching the ball, but obviously he's going to be a weapon that's utilized moving forward for the rest of the year. And, and, you know, I like, I like his opportunity to grow. I do as well. And the most underappreciated receiver on this team has very limited action catching the ball, but rarely misses a snap. And that's Mikey Sainer still. And that's because he is excellent at blocking. He is excellent at down the field blocking. All the receivers are good and willing to do so, but Mikey Sainer still is not afraid to get in there and mix it up with outside linebackers, set the edge, crack back, and do all the gritty stuff that you don't see a lot of slot receivers doing. Yeah, he's uh, he's got seen a ton of run, but yeah, you haven't seen him score up, uh, show up in the stat sheet yet. I anticipate that will change, but he is a dog as a blocker. You mentioned all, you mentioned Schoonmaker. Both of them love mixing it up. I really like watching both of those guys just in blocking. Um, you'll see the the receiving come along as the as the year goes on. I'm sure you know this week against Rutgers and definitely against Wisconsin, you'll see them involved more. Um, Let's move over to the offensive line, which once again was dominant in this game. I mean, Michigan leads the nation in rushing. Blake Corum is the highest graded rusher, you know, according to PFF. Pick your stat. 
But this this offensive line, once again, dominant, and they only needed to play about 30 snaps each for, for the starters. Yeah, Son Haskins hasn't had a negative rush all season. Third the nation in scoring. More rushing yards in three games than last year in six. Just, like you said, pick a stat. It's baffling. They are dominant. And again, Andrew Vastardis, man, is who – who saw the fifth to six year leap coming for him? <laughs> no, no. I mean, he, uh, I think they said uh, Hayes graded out as the best offensive lineman in this one. Yeah. So that means a different offensive lineman grading out as the top guy in each game. You don't know who it's going to be dominant, um, you know, on a, an individual level each week, but you know, as a unit, that they are excellent together. And you said, uh, I'll let you make your claim. Which, what's my claim? About this offensive line. Oh, yes, this is the best offensive line of the Jim Harbaugh era. I'm going to be further validated as the season continues. Went back and watched the Washington game. They could only generate pressure with blitzes. This team very seldom gets anything against them with just four rushers. They are dominant week in, week out. And I love, love, love the fact that a different offensive lineman has graded out as the best through each of these three games. And now we're leading into conference play. And I understand I'm a little ahead of the curve, but let's call this a spoiler warning. Hey, look, we're ahead of the curve on Cade McNamara being an above-average quarterback, too. So let's get out in front of this thing. We said it about Corum after week one. We said it about Hutchinson after week one. Uh, I mean, we actually said some of these things preseason, but you have to temper it a little bit before you've seen it. Now, these are all things that you can say with certainty. I'll wait till after the Wisconsin game to go that far because that 2018 offensive line put everybody in the NFL. Um, but from a cohesion standpoint, it's hard to really argue I mean, we are putting up dominant, dominant numbers. And we eclipsed all of last year's six games in the first quarter of our third game this <laughs> year. That's madness. Unbelievable. And the Wisconsin game will be a great test. We'll get to that next week. They have the number one rushing defense in the country, only allowing 33 yards per game. So wow. we go learn. We and learn. another thing about the running backs complimenting this is Mike Hart has really taught them patience. Uh, the best example is Donovan Edwards, third string running back on his second touchdown, comes right into the hole really nice and slow. As soon as it develops, is through it like a flash. And then in the. It's a fantastic point. And rewatching this game was a ton of fun, just like rewatching Washington was, because it is a lot of slow developing offensive line plays where you've got guards pulling and waiting to come all the way around and waiting for it to develop. But uh, yeah, we got three backs that with Edwards now showing that patience that are very patient, that are physical. Um, they're very quick, especially Edwards and Corum. And I agree with what you said offline, that if Edwards is as good as he looks, just play him. Who cares about the red shirt? I mean, we need all three guys. I, I don't feel comfortable with just two backs. Give me three guys. And I loved what Edwards showed and really, really exciting that we got to see his first two touchdowns as a Wolverine. It was really exciting, <clears throat> excuse me, to see Donovan Edwards' first touchdowns as a Wolverine. And if he can contribute now, this is excellent for the team and the depth and health of the running back room. The ball distribution, the carry distribution, the play calling, everything has been excellent and as crisp as I can ever remember at Michigan in a long time. I've loved the play calling this season. No, I'm, I'm absolutely with you on that. And in this game, Edwards actually saw more carries than Haskins, more touches and snaps than Haskins, which if he's your number one guy, I get it that Corum's the guy getting all the hype right now, but let's give Haskins his due. He is such an excellent Big Ten running back, and for the kind of defenses that we're going to see moving forward, a guy that will always fall forward like that, that you trust on every snap, his pass pro is solid, 
he looked massive. That was the first thing we noticed when we saw him out on the field. We're like, he looks like Derrick Henry out there, like still at that linebacker size. So that triumvirate of running backs, you're going to need all three guys. So I, I totally agree with you on, on Edwards, Haskins, and Corum. We walked into the game and Haskins trots out. They were like, good God. Yeah, he stands <laughs> who, out. who put Carlo Kemp at running back? <laughs> yeah, he, he looks like he could still come in and be one of our best linebackers. Like that dude is stout. He is massive and it's, it's great to see the balance. And it's going to continue throughout the season to have that carries to keep everybody healthy. 100% with you. Anything else on offense you wanted to touch on? Move over to uh, special teams. You kind of already covered it. Jake Moody, still flawless. Um, they go for it on fourth and nine, up 60, rather than have Jake Moody miss his first field goal. Um, part of that is probably it was a beyond makeable field goal. And uh, at that point in the game, why not just let McCarthy spin it? But uh, special teams seem pretty sound again this week. We don't discuss that it was too far for Jake Moody. We just discussed this is like 2016 Rutgers where you fake an extra point up by a million, which we're just going to put the foot on your throat that's here. That's what we do. Oh, one more point about the offense. And uh, we said this as it was happening, which, by the way, we were pretty spot on. We called a lot of things in that game. Everyone around us was like, man, did you guys just call that? We're like, yep, watch this. Aiden Hutchinson sack right here. Corum right side, 14 yards. Like, we were on it. Uh, and we are on it here. That uh, the third touchdown Corum scored late in the game, they put him back in at the goal line. That had to be an early season Heisman push. Tell me it's not. You called it, and he's starting to pop up all over boards across the country. Got to got to pad the stats a little bit while you can. They're not kicking the ball off to him because teams aren't scoring that much against Michigan. So you got to get him touches when you can. Yeah, absolutely. And he still leads the nation in all-purpose yards. Uh, the leading rusher is actually down the road in Michigan State. And then one of the other top five leading rushers is Charbonnet out in UCLA. So a lot of familiar faces there at the top of the running back rooms this year. And Corum's just as good as anyone. And just seeing that early Heisman hype, I mean, I really doubt it'll last all year. I don't actually even want to say that. Maybe it does. But that's excellent for your momentum, for your recruiting. It gets you in the spotlight, gets people talking about you. And we have a star. We have a star on offense. How long has it been since we had a legitimate star? It's it's Jabril Peppers, and he was a primary was defender, a defender. had to come yeah. over to offense. <laughs> exactly. Nico Collins kind of qualifies, but he sat out the year that he was going to be most dominant. Yeah, so this is this is great for everything at Michigan. And they asked Cade McNamara about, you know, the pass run distribution. He said the only stat he cares about is winning. And I think that translates throughout the entire team. I love it. Um, we also got to see McCarthy in this one. Didn't throw a touchdown pass, but anything you saw from him? Saw some wheels on that read option, took it to the outside, made a hard cut. Kid can move, man. I still agree that he's going to be the future, but he's not right now. But I'm glad he's getting this valuable experience. Absolutely, yeah. And he's going to get to play a couple more. Also with him, like, you get four games with him. Do you need to redshirt him? Do you that's... need to? Like, that, that's the question. I don't know. Like, with, with the COVID and everything, like... You might not even need to do it, but you also don't need to play him more than four games. So I think he probably will end up redshirting. But um, I, yeah. the other thing I'll say is that ball really zips out of his hand. It, it pops. Yeah, kid, kid throws a fastball, man. And he'll learn to reel it in and throw with some more touch. But he's got things you can't teach. 
Absolutely. All right, on the defense, uh, they really couldn't challenge us in this one, especially uh, with the starters in there. Early on, um, they moved the ball down. Just one more thing that we called when people were kind of grumbling around us. We're like, they will not score again until our starters are long gone. Called that. Um, So really three points to the starting defense and the second team defense and the third team defense. Now the fourth team defense Lombardi scored on, and then he decided to talk that jazz down 60, but Hey, you do you buddy. (laughs) It was silly, man. You know, maybe some holes in the fourth string defense, (laughs) maybe some holes, you know, we'll, we'll patch that up. Uh, yeah, man, the defense was solid and the player that it's going to be very striking. The player that stood out to me the most, I said it in the game was Vincent Gray closing on ball carriers, like a linebacker looks really confident. So it's great to see him come back really confident as a tackler. He's near the ball. Um, my takeaways from this defense, something John Jansen said in his podcast as well. He's like, you don't look at this, like the 16 or the 18 defense where you're like, man, couple stars that can change a game. It's like a well-rounded unit that runs to the ball. And then you've got Hutchinson and Hill out there and maybe some guys that could develop into stars. But they've got a deep team, a lot of guys that they're rotating on the defensive line. Mike Morris starting to show up a little bit for me is a guy that I noticed um, just with his size. Um, he was penetrating um, pretty pretty deep into that backfield. Um, Jeter and Hinton looked pretty solid as well. And uh, my boy, Junior Colson, getting in on the first turnover of the year, which goes to Jamon Green, almost ran it back. So that was exciting, too, to get to see. Jamon Green even admitting in the post-game podcast with Jansen that he was in improper position (laughs) on that play. But Colson got the tip. He made the most of it for the first turnover of the year generated by this defense and his first career interception as well. Which was Yeah, it was very exciting. So we got to see that as well. Um, Colson looks like a future star. Hill Green gets better every week and he he flies around, man. He had a, a tackle for loss in this where he absolutely shot the gap and he can move. So the future of the linebacking core, I don't know if either becomes a star this year. That remains to be seen, but I think you're set there. Um, I agree with you. Gray looked pretty good in this. I mentioned Mike Morris. Um, Chris Jenkins trotting out with the starters was interesting. Um, Hutchinson denied a sack in this one. I've watched the play five times. It was a TFL, but not a sack. I don't get it. Hopefully that gets adjusted. He should be leading the nation in sacks. Yeah, the it's very silly there. And one thing that stood out through three weeks of the season is the lack of penalties on this defense. The corners are less grabby, playing with better feet and technique. No dumb offsides for the most part. Everyone's been really locked in, so that's been great to see. That's a great point, yeah. We haven't really mentioned that because you don't want to be talking about penalties. You just hope they don't come up. But you do need to to recognize just the improvement, especially from last year and even the year before in 19 with that secondary having some serious, serious pass interference tendencies. So they've cleaned that up a lot so far. And, you know, the, the test is going to, to stiffen starting with Rutgers and, and leading into Wisconsin, but a lot to like for the improvement of the defense. And I love that this schedule sets up to where they can kind of grow a little bit and catch up to the offense, which looks dynamite. Yeah, the schedule is perfect. You get Rutgers leading into Wisconsin, and then you have two weeks leading into Michigan State, I believe, before that. So there's a real nice balance and symmetry of like crescendos of the season. So now you get a warm up from after NIU, go into Rutgers, a good test, a 3 0 team that has not turned the ball over this season. The Fighting Chianos play a little nasty. 
And then we're going to have the real test in two weeks on the road. Yep, absolutely. Uh, all right, before we move on from our thoughts from Northern Illinois, any final thoughts about the game, the atmosphere, any players we didn't mention? Um, Mozzie Smith, still good. Mr. Brightside rules. Yep. And no punts from Brad Robbins, but I still believe he's got the juice. Brad Robbins has the juice. Remember he was on the sidelines and he was going nuts. He had like a chair over he his had a chair. <laughs> he was directly in front of us where we were seated. And Andy's like, is that Brad Robbins with a chair? Dilute it and inject it into me. And yeah, sure enough, the special teams guys are over there just going nuts. Yeah, oh, th that's one thing I'm going to touch on is the whole sideline atmosphere. We watched it throughout the game. Everybody celebrating everybody. So, so much good vibes on the sideline. It was fantastic. Brad Robbins looking like he's about to hit Chris Jericho in the back with a chair. It was, oh, absolutely electric. Yep, I had that written down. I was like, this team likes each other. Like, they genuinely seem to enjoy what's going on. Like, McCarthy and McNamara, there's, there's absolutely no bickering or you know fighting for position there it seems like this is a team and I, I wondered about it and I wrote this down as well is if last year being as bad as it was and getting like the bulk of your guys back you know we didn't lose a ton of guys I wonder if that's mm -hmm. gonna really kind of give this team that like foxhole type of mentality and they definitely seem to have each other's backs two things one this is the most fun Michigan football has been since the revenge tour in 2018 and secondly, Mike Morris had a great quote on Monday when he said, we know we have to stay locked in because if we lose, people are just going to go, oh, same old Michigan again, losing. So it's like this team really understands the perception surrounding the program, and they're locked into it. Having gone through it last year and seen people turn on them, I think this team has an edge. I really see it as well. Um, all right, that's a good spot. Let's take a break. When we come back, we've got some other Big Ten stuff we got to get to. We've got Pro Blue, but then, of course, we got to preview this game against the Fighting Shianos, Rutgers coming to town next week. We'll be back right after this. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors in life, whether they be big, small, or anywhere in between. And when we keep those bottled up, it can start to affect us in a negative way. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched up with a licensed therapist, and if for some reason that therapist isn't working out for you, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Get life's challenges off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Block M to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Block M. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, so around the Big Ten, things were uh, a little bit interesting, but at the same time, Big Ten East remains the gold standard. Uh, Ohio State holds on against Tulsa. 
the same Tulsa that lost to UC Davis. Did you see any of that game, sir? Saw a little bit of the highlights. Didn't get to watch it live. But, yeah, Ohio State, uh, C.J. Stroud again came out with a sluggish start for the third game in a row. Seems to be a trend. And this defense has a lot of question marks surrounding it. Don't be fooled by the final score. This was a fight. This was 27-20 with three minutes left. They needed a pick six in order to get that separation. Uh, Chris Olave, zero receptions in this game. I don't know how you can be all right with that if you're Ryan Day. Um, but on defense, you're absolutely right. I think it was Herb Street. Uh, you pointed me to that where he was saying that they're basically trying to switch their defense on the fly here, change the the style of defense that they play. And they've got young guys in that secondary. There's no easy fixes for for what ails Ohio State on the defensive side. No, good luck with that. Trying to shift your whole defensive philosophy midseason, rotating players and they're balancing class schedules and everything else. This isn't fall camp. That's when you do that. And I don't agree with the move. I didn't didn't like Kerry Coombs hire for them, but to just strip like his position basically two games into the season, it seems like a little bit of an overcorrection. So I don't know. I'm enjoying the disarray for once in Columbus because normally it's happening at Michigan. We've also seen him be this vulnerable early on and then beat us by 37. So it might not mean anything. True. But though the issues on their defense are very real. So we'll see how they uh, they respond. Their schedule is going to get much easier now after the uh, the early season test against Oregon. Uh, we already mentioned Michigan State going down a touchdown dog against Miami and winning that one pretty convincingly. Uh, Kenneth Walker, we mentioned, he looks like a really good pickup for them in the transfer portal. Um, I'll obviously take Blake Corum, but we're not here to debate that. We'll figure that out as the season progresses. Their schedule, Nebraska, Western Kentucky, at Rutgers, at Indiana. Decent chance that they're undefeated there, but any one of those teams could get them, theoretically. Michigan State is good. It's it's hard to admit. Obviously, I'm going to say Michigan's going to beat them, and I will that week as well. My favorite tweet regarding Kenneth Walker was, Kenneth Walker, this many yards, this many touchdowns. If he played at Michigan, RB3. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that might be the case. We'll see as they go up against some better defenses. I'm not sure how good Miami is either, but they are improved. I mean, you can say that much for sure, and it's going to be a dogfight. So uh, congrats to them moving up into the rankings. Um, I mean, we lost uh, Washington being a ranked team, but we picked up Michigan State, so it evened out. Uh, Penn State over Auburn in a whiteout pretty convincingly there as well against, I think, an improved Auburn team. Um, You know, we'll see with Penn State. They've got Iowa on October 9th. Doesn't seem like a team full of stars other than Jahan Dotson, but just a quality team. Like, reminds me kind of of our team, but I'll take McNamara over Sean Clifford. Exactly. Uh, On his third OC in as many years, Penn State's defense is really good. Offense is a little suspect, but Auburn is kind of like the Indiana or Minnesota of the SEC. They're like the sixth best team in that conference. So the win now kind of looks good, but I don't think it'll look as good by the end of the year. And plus, they have the hardest remaining schedule in the country. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, you've got got to win your schedule and bringing in an SEC team and beating them physically like This is making the Big Ten look really good right now. It's making the Big Ten look like the most physical team, uh, the most physical conference outside of obviously Bama and Georgia, um, but like a lot of really good teams that can play defense and run the ball. So Penn State, I think, is probably going to be the biggest hurdle we have to get over other than Ohio State. Uh, Indiana in a bit of trouble, but man, sometimes it it sucks to be right all the time because we called this one early in the offseason. Just looking at their schedule, 
You know, when you get Cincinnati and Notre Dame and you get Penn State, Michigan State, Ohio State, Michigan, like you have to play everybody. They were always going to come back down to earth. Now they have to worry about making a bowl game. Yeah, the come down has been drastic and dramatic from Michael Penix Jr. being a future first round draft pick to, well, he's still our starter this week. <laughs> you don't come, you, you don't get humbled that often that dramatically. So they came back down. Like we said, they're going to be fighting for six and six with this schedule. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't get easy. Both Indiana and Michigan State have to play Western Kentucky. It's a, a pretty explosive offense there. I mean, Western Kentucky has been putting out some juggernauts on juggernauts on offense. So that's not a game you even pencil in as a guaranteed victory so we'll see what indiana can do with that remaining schedule it uh, does not get easy for them um and then uh iowa i was finally got a chance to watch some iowa saw a little bit of the iowa iowa state game and then watched um iowa actually no that was the last game that i watched have you seen anything from them that you think that they could actually be a playoff contender or are they just good for the big 10 west um Still yet to be seen. I think they are a very good team. They remind me of where how Michigan's balanced on both sides of the ball. They have that, which a lot of teams don't like. You're good and above average on both sides of the ball. Iowa's got excellent corners, a big offensive line. But it kind of feels like, I believe, 14 when they marched into the Big Ten Championship, got lost and then got beat by Stanford and Christian McCaffrey pretty handedly in the Rose Bowl. So it still remains to be seen if they can really be challenged. We don't know how good Iowa State is. You and I are not very high on them right now. So their schedule will get tougher. You know, Wisconsin's coming around the corner. So we're really going to learn a lot about them soon. So, yeah, I'm not – it's with Iowa fifth. Fifth in the country seems a little They high. already beat Wisconsin. Oh, I'm yeah, wrong. They, My yeah, goodness. they beat Wisconsin uh, early on in the season in Madison. You're right. Oh my god. Yeah. Um wow. So Yeah, weird yeah, maybe, weird schedule that they played them right off the bat like that. Maybe a, yeah, maybe it's a strange so what's Wisconsin? How many losses does Wisconsin have? Two? Just one. I thought lost to Penn State. No, no, no. That was Week the one. game you're thinking of. Penn State's played Auburn. Um no, that doesn't sound right. All right, pull it up real quick there. Um but by what the right. point I wanted to make actually I got it right. Okay, so you were actually right. It was Penn State, not Iowa. I was mistaken there. Iowa and Wisconsin play on October 9th. But yeah, it was Penn State. So just uh, just the one loss for Wisconsin still. Yeah, so we'll learn a lot more about Iowa here in a few weekends to see how they do against Wisconsin, a team pounding the ball. Man, Wisconsin's schedule is brutal. They have Notre Dame this weekend in Chicago, then Michigan, and then you go right into Iowa, I believe. Uh yeah or no no this is uh hang on a second this is showing illinois on october 9th but yeah either way rough schedule for wisconsin um october 30th man october 30th is going to be a lot of football iowa wisconsin michigan michigan state halloween weekend is going to get saucy so much for going out that night i got football to watch man my boy's like oh you want to go to see this concert and i was about to say yes but how am i going to just leave all that good football unwatched Michigan, Michigan State. Hopefully it's at noon like God intended where football to be played so we can still go out that evening. Yes. But if not, well, we can, we'll cancel the plans, honey. We got games to watch. I will. Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how good Iowa can actually be. But uh, before we move on to the next topic, got to take a moment, talk about our people over at Home Field Apparel. Been working with them for a minute now. Love working with these cats, the most incredibly comfortable, affordable sportswear brand with the best selection of college apparel in the game right now. It's officially football season, so I've got the hoodies rocking. 
the max level of comfort. They've got the old school, new school designs, and you can get 20% off your first purchase with MNB.com. All right, uh, so that was it for around the Big Ten. What about Pro Blue around the NFL? Uh, anything stood out to you over this last weekend? We're in week two of, uh, of the NFL. Let's just start with the obvious. Thomas Edward Patrick Brady leads the NFL in touchdown passes. At the age of 44. Yeah, I think he's going to try to break the NFL record for passing touchdowns. They have an extra game this year. They're throwing the ball inside the five-yard line just every play, it seems like. So I'm here for this. Pad the stats. At what point is this just a glitch in the matrix? Because we're getting to that level where this shouldn't be allowed to happen. It, it's uh, We're already there. Tom Brady okay. is the matrix. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> uh, I got one for you. How about another two sacks for Uche? Three on the year. Looking like the primary pass rushing option for a pretty good New England Patriots team. This Josh Uche is an animal. Still hoping to see more from uh, Winovich. But like I said, Uche is the kind of guy that's going to read you a Bible scripture and then rip your head off. So I'm still riding this wave. Yeah, absolutely. Could definitely change your alternator, fix a snowblower, and then completely sever your spinal cord. And he can pass. <laughs> Um, other, uh, other note here, Cesar Ruiz, highest rated player by pro football focus on the saints offense last week in a pretty abysmal performance, but nonetheless, highest rated player. Good to see him stepping up there. We talked offline that somebody at POFF had to have gone to Michigan, bets on Michigan, loves Michigan, because all our players just go through the roof according to PFF grades. PFF loves Michigan above any other school. I don't know what it is, but I'm here for it. Uh, John Runyon, highest graded lineman for Green Bay uh, after a beatdown of Detroit Lions. So how, what, what a story that is to be starting for the Packers now. In 2018, game one, you and I were ready to fight him in the street. Lose, but Lose. fight him in the street because he was a revolving door of awfulness. And then he became our best offensive lineman, first team all Big Ten, a draft pick, and now an outstanding lineman in the NFL. What a, what a guy. Happy to be wrong. Happy to be wrong sometimes. And John Runyon Jr., man, that's go get paid, sir. I love it. Uh, Taco Charlton rejoining Chris Wormley in Pittsburgh. Uh, now you've got the duo both in Foxborough and in Pittsburgh, the, the former Wolverine pass rushing duos that actually played on the field together. Uh, which one, which duo has more sacks at the end of this year? I mean, I think this is an easy one, but. Winovich and, yeah, uh, yeah Winovich and uh, Uche, easily yeah, yeah, walking yeah. away. Charlton's just been signed to the pra practice squad, so he's got to work his way back onto the roster. Wormley's a rotational guy, never really been a big sack, or, sack producer, but. Still, you get to turn on an NFL game and potentially see Taco Charlton, Chris Wormley, and Devin Bush in one frame, please. That, that's oh, Yeah, you mix in Devin Bush there. And don't call him a sack producer. Go with your gut. Just call him a sacker. <laughs> sacker. <laughs> yeah. Never been much of a sacker, but you think he's going to come on this season. Uh, he very well could. I, I've always liked Wormley. But yeah, that's a ton of fun to watch there in Pittsburgh. Uh, Nico Collins on injured, injured reserve, Brandon Graham out for the year. So kind of some bad news for those guys. I really feel for Nico there. Nico on the most surprising team in the NFL. The Texans are decent and we're in that game with the Browns till Tyrod went out. Like didn't see that coming. No, absolutely not. And hopefully he's not out too long. I don't know what the specifics on that injury are, but they need him like, cause a team just is a bunch of aging talent, not a lot of young guys. So they need him to be a, a player for them. Brandon Graham, just the steady force in Pittsburgh. Bummer for him. And then uh, last note here, DPJ and Chris Evans, one catch, 14 yards each. A little disappointing from some guys that we thought were going to really break out in a big way this year. But we'll see. It's still early. 
Still very early. And also remember this, Brandon Graham was at Michigan during the Bush administration. Yeah, like the first Bush administration. (laughs) (laughs) But he actually was there during the second Bush administration. Yes, yes, he was. I remember the Brandon Graham years. And like this is the first time I think he's missed a year his whole time there. Just a steady, steady producer for them. So hopefully he's got a few more years left in him, man. Just like the last guy probably from that Michigan. He has to be the last guy still playing from that Michigan defense. Has to be. He and Andrew Vastardis were freshmen the same year, though. Yeah, which is bizarre. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Vastardis actually fought in the first Iraq War. <laughs> he was, you know, over there looking for oil in Kuwait and stuff with Saddam. Desert Storm is a we don't talk about it often. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't like to talk about it. I saw some stuff over there, but yeah. <laughs> um, all right, man. Let's get into this Rutgers game here. This one, uh, you know, we saw last year could be a little bit spicier. Greg Schiano's got this team humming a bit. Greg Schiano is a great coach. I think he's arguably a top five, six coach in the Big Ten. That'd be a fun list for us to redo in the offseason about where we're ranking our coaches. We're always big, <clears throat> excuse me, Pat Fitz guys, but Schiano's right in there. The way he gets this team to buy in and maximizes the potential, he's been did an outstanding job last season. It was a dogfight. It really was. 48-42 in triple overtime. Nobody playing any defense in that game. Uh, tough to watch. Uh, we equated it to basically lighting a circus tent on fire and watching the animals and the, uh, you know, the bearded lady sprint out into a cornfield. It was tough to know what was going on. I couldn't make heads or tails of it, but we pulled that one out. Maybe shouldn't have this year. I expect to be a much more competent football game where it looks like two people actually know how to play the game. Yeah, Quinn Nordine last year missed a kick, and then his second kick was mishandled at the snap. And as walking off the field at halftime, yelled, do your effing job. So yeah. uh, that's the state of the culture last season as compared to the culture now. Yes, absolutely. I don't think you'll see any of that. And yeah, they talked about there being some guys that were culture killers there. And, you know, you heard whispers about it being like the Tariq Blacks and the Quinn Nordines and stuff. And yeah, you don't you don't see much of that on the sidelines now, but Rutgers sitting at 3-0, and uh, victories over nobody necessarily uh, daunting, Temple, Syracuse, and Delaware, but the defense has been stout. You know They haven't allowed over 14 points in any of those games, um, closer against uh, Temple and Syracuse, or excuse me, against Syracuse, but running away against Delaware, but it's Delaware. But they'll be missing their best player on defense in Max Melton and Chris Long, who decided to shoot a paintball gun at someone, apparently. No, you don't advise that, especially game weeks when you're playing Michigan. Playing Michigan, bro. So the the forecast is calling for rain, so probably won't see a lot of passes anyway. But Max is a stud at corner. Freshman, he I believe he has two picks, a touchdown, and four batted balls already this year. So you're losing that and bringing in somebody else to guard Cornelius Johnson, just giving Cade McNamara even more free reign out there. Yeah, so I, I didn't know about the uh, the forecast thing until you mentioned that. We'll see how that plays out. It uh, does rain often up there, so, I mean, that's just something you got to be prepared for. But you would think that that favors us. Uh, R- Rutgers running back Isaiah Pacheo hasn't really gotten it going yet this year. I think they'd like more from him. Three touchdowns, around 160 yards rushing. Um, Blake Corum will get that in a half. So uh, they'd like to see some more from him. They're going to have to see some more from him in this game if they're going to want to keep this close. Noah Vedrill's been solid, if not spectacular. No picks, 600 yards throwing. So more pro- prolific through the air than Cade McNamara, uh, but not as highly rated. Um, doesn't have the completion percentage of Cade, which is at 65% right now. 
Cade's played one complete game. And again, they have to come to the big house this year. So last year they had us in, in Piscataway with the chance to get the win, didn't do it. So this should feel even better about being at home in the rain. And Rutgers also has not turned the ball over all season. Rutgers and Michigan, I believe, are the only two teams left that have not turned the ball over all year. Yep, this is another team that the S&P and PFF really like. Uh, when you take out preseason projections, Rutgers and Michigan go way, way up. Um, the analytics guys really like this team. Greg Schiano's got them to the point where they're not going to make mistakes to beat themselves. They're going to make you physically beat them. Um, and I think Michigan wants to play the same way. I think this is an awesome – like if you had to put into a lab a good warm-up for Wisconsin and Penn State, and Michigan State, like what they're going to do, this is that. Like it's a lesser version of what they do. You know, they want to run the ball, play good defense, and be solid, if not spectacular, through the air to keep them on on schedule. So this is an awesome warm up. This is perfect, and this team is going to come out and try to punch us back in the mouth, just like we're going to do to them. Really impose will in the trenches, which plays the Michigan strengths. But we're gonna. This is a good test. Like you said to warm up into this thing. I think we'll see a close first quarter, feeling each other out, and then. Whoever can impose their will on the inside is going to pull away with this thing. I have to agree with you there. Um, all right, so our players from the game last week, do you happen to remember who your players of the game were? I remember mine. I think I picked Cade Mack, and I don't know who I picked on defense. Uh, yeah, you had uh, somebody getting the first pick. Yeah, it's, I, don't, I don't think it was – I don't know if it was green or not, but I had somebody getting a pick. Yeah, you did. I th Oh, man, we'll have to go back and revisit that. I had, uh, I had Eric All. On there and Junior Colson. Junior Colson in on the play though. Eric All had a good game. He had that catch down the seam and is just a I I never would have guessed he'd be this good at blocking and this physical. So not a bad choice. Nope. And uh, all right here. So I just pulled up our uh, we did this our uh, season preview. We did it in quarters and first quarter season preview. We are perfect three and zero. We called all three as well. Um, we had Washington being a closer game but we both had them winning that one at home. So perfect three and zero, and uh, we both have us going two and one in this next stretch. So very interested to see, we'll get into Wisconsin next week. Um, hopefully after a, uh, a big victory over Rutgers and things start to get real. Yeah. That was two and one before the season. And I was optimistic then you should see me now. And I have pants on. I'm so excited. For this game. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've been having to watch this. There's no reason to have the camera focused on your bottom half. Just... <laughs> you don't need to see my mouth move for your conversation. You can hear me, sir. It would help. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, you had us at, you were a nine and three guy, right? With your yep. prediction. Sure. I was eight and four at the beginning. I have definitely shifted closer to the nine and three, 10 and two range. Uh, after seeing, you know, not only what we're capable of on the ground and on defense, but seeing some of the other teams in the Big Ten. So um, my level of optimism ha has definitely gone up along with the analytics, thinking we're going to be closer to a 9-10 win, win team, too, as well. I believe everybody surrounding the program has just seeing the culture, the way you said that these guys seem to actually enjoy <clears throat> playing for one another. They're having fun. They enjoy football, saying the right things. And yeah, just the improvement there is what made this season so enjoyable. Yeah, yeah, I'm 100% with you, man. And you got to remember these good times because there's always lean times ahead. It might not be tomorrow, might not be this year, but there's going to be lean times. So enjoy the fact that you have the number one rushing attack in the nation. And Aiden Hutchinson is like second, third in the nation in sacks, should be second or first. But 
we won't get into that. So yeah, enjoy the good times while, while they're happening. Last year, we're losing to Michigan State and we're so depressed because of the pandemic. Like this is the 12th worst thing to happen to me today. Like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> those were the lean times. Remember that. Yes, those were the lean times. It was like, well, this sucks. We just lost the Michigan State, but I don't know if I'm going to have a job tomorrow. So perspective. Writing 700-word scathing articles last season about how mad I was this year, and most of it had nothing to do with football. Anthony's just messaging me back like, Andy, you got you to gotta rein this in a little bit. <laughs> why, are you com- why are you complaining about Pfizer for 15 minutes in there? Why are you mad about the Oscars? Nobody cares. Nobody watched them. <laughs> So, yeah, man, enjoy these times. This game coming into Rutgers is exciting. Uh, Who are your players of the game, players to watch? Uh, This week I want to go with something that's actually going to be a little bit closer. I think it's going to be the Haskins game. You know, in the rain again. We all remember that Notre Dame game in the rain a few years ago. So I'm going to ride with that uh, on offense. And then on defense, oh, man, Colson and Hill Green both been coming along. Uh, They're probably not going to try and pass the ball too much as well. So maybe the Mozzie Smith breakout game. I like that. I'm going with Haskins as well. I think he's going to get a big workload. During the Washington game, he was the one that really set the tone just over and over again, picking up yards. And again, credit to Washington for stopping him on fourth and one. Impressive. Um, Not easy to do. No, he gained like half a yard and I stopped him short of the goal line, but neither here nor there. Uh, So Haskins on offense. On defense... I'm, I like the interior pick. You went Mozzie Smith. I'm going to go a little different. I'm going to go David Ojabo. I think I like we're going to have a nice Ojabo game this year. He's been getting better. Playing next to Hutch has helped him a ton. And, of course, Aiden Hutchinson's going to eat because that's what Aiden Hutchinson does. Yes, that's just too easy. Saying Corum and Hutchinson is almost like cheating, so I'm not going to do that every game because they're when they're on the field, they're the best player on that particular side of the ball, like bar none. Yeah, I told you off the air, I want other teams to score more just so – Quorum can add to his stats as a kick returner. Like I just want a few, just a, just one or two more scores, maybe field goals, field goals, maybe field goals, field goals. Yeah, because I like a defense that's you know not giving up points. Like I like refreshing it and seeing the NCAA defensive statistics every week. So not not too much. If we give up four field goals a game, just twelve points, let him get four extra returns in a game. You know what that's going to do to his numbers. <laughs> We're going to win 11 games if we give up. We're going to win a lot of football games. <laughs> a lot of games. <laughs> yeah, I'm here for it, brother. All right, man, this is a lot of fun, and I uh, can't wait to talk about a victory next week. That's going to do it for Out of the Blue. Make sure that you like, share, subscribe, wherever you get your podcast, whether that's Spotify or Apple Music, wherever. You can follow us on Twitter, at Maze Brew. I am Jared. That is Andy. This is Out of the Blue. We'd like to remind you that wherever you go, go blue.